What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. I'm Sam Allen, joined with Matt McFeely. And another Monday here where it is a jam-packed Monday for the pod. Yankees win. That's the biggest story of the day. Force a game five in New York tonight, potentially weather-bearing. And then the Jets and the Giants, both with absolutely unbelievable, unexpected wins, both with their own storylines. Matt, what's going on? What a weekend, right? What's going on? And I mean, even outside of our little New York bubble here, I mean, is this the craziest start to a postseason ever? I mean, the Dodgers get knocked off. The Braves get knocked off. The Yankees are on the brinks of get, of getting knocked off tonight. I, I mean, I'm not sure I've seen anything like this before. I mean, we're talking about the the Phillies being a series away from the World Series. <laughs> and they yeah, were almost and, a, they were a joke this season. And I mean, 18 inning games. You yep. got uh, even this this series where, like you said, almost every underdog seems to be coming up big besides besides the Astros. Yeah. If you're which, if, if you're a Met fan, do you does it soften the blow a little bit? to watch the Padres do what they did, or, or are you still, if you're a Met fan, are you just still? Borderline? I think it makes it worse, honestly, because you, the if my first reaction watching the Padres series was, uh, wait, this is the team that absolutely embarrassed the Mets on their biggest part of their season? This is That's the team you guys, just, that just happened to? Like, I thought it was like, in a way, it was like, what what did the Padres have done to the Mets <laughs> if that's what they did to the the Braves that swept them in the biggest part of the season? Didn't the Padres play the Dodgers? Oh geez, dude, uh, I'm uh, lost. Yeah, yeah, we can edit that out. <laughs> um, so I, I'm I was I was thinking of the uh, who played the Braves. Uh, the uh, Phillies knocked the off Phillies. Atlanta. Phillies. That's that's what I. That's my take on it. Okay, so all right, you what do you, what's best for your your editing? What do you want to what do you want to do here? <laughs> Maybe I just leave it in. No. <laughs> Take right. everything there and that's the Phillies. But yeah, and then I'll do um, a little voiceover. My name is Sam and I know exactly who the Padres play. <laughs> well, anyway, the Phillies, I thought that what a story. I mean, they're they fire their manager in the middle of the season and they at the end of the day, they have a great roster and great starting pitching. You can make the argument that they might have the best starting pitching of all the teams remaining. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's definitely fair. I mean, the Padres are up there, but but yeah, certainly. I mean, their defense was just, I mean, abominable all season. But yeah, we always knew they had the hitters. Uh, but yeah, it's been a fun ride. Um, I'll let you delve right into uh, what happened last night and what Garrett Cole was able to accomplish for the second time in the series. And then uh, biggest game of the season tonight. So go ahead. Take it away. So game four in Cleveland, stage is set. Garrett Cole with the Yankees season on the line comes up in perhaps the biggest, most ideal way possible. There's nothing else to say. Seven innings, eight strikeouts, two runs. He, every big moment, I felt like he stepped up every time where in a normal Garrett Cole start, I would have said was, this is beginning to unravel. I thought he made a great pitch. If not two, sometimes even three great pitches Uh, that pinch hit, by I think it was Will Brennan where he struck him out and he called, he tried to call time. I think it was his last batter um, struck him out. I think it was like three pitches, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Just what you want to see from your stud, your ACE with your season on the line. Um, and Garrett Cole is look, look I, the tenor is changing on De- Garrett Cole. Would you agree with that? Well, no, because you would admit that let's say the Yankees win tonight and then, he goes into Houston and has a clunker. I think we're right back at square one. 
Like everyone knows that that's kind of the real test. You disagree with that? You think I, str- after, I strong disagree after with these that. two games? If he goes into Houston and has like really like one of those starts, you think everyone it, it's just it's forgiven? I mean, yeah, I th- I do think. Why? So. Why? This Be- is a team you're supposed to demolish. You're supposed to beat down. They can't hit the Astros. No, 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 Cleveland. Oh, okay. I mean, yes, they can hit, but in the playoffs, I feel like. These are the this is the cream of the crop right here. These are the these are the best teams in baseball. And I don't care what your hitting stats are or whatever, like these teams get it done. And I want well, in my picture, I don't like want this. them to shut that down. Let me ask you it this way instead. I, I don't mean how you would feel about it if, if he goes into to Houston and gets shelled. I mean the general consensus in New York around Garrett Cole. You think it's just it's changed now because of, of two games against Cleveland? Yeah, I don't. I think so. I do. Oh, absolutely not. No, I I mean because because what would make you is, think that Aaron Judge just got booted? In, he just did it because he just games. did it twice. I think. All right, how about this? Let me ask you this: If Garrett Cole, if the Yankees lose tonight, you'd rather them not rather them because I know you're not a Yankee fan. But if they lose tonight, what's the story on Cole? That he got it done against a team he should have gotten it done against, and he deserves you know props for that, obviously. But I think that everyone is looking at Houston, and and that's going to be the test for Garrett Cole. Okay, so now what if that does happen, right? What if it we get to the ALCS against Houston, game one or whenever Cole would pitch, probably not game one, probably game three, two, maybe, uh, probably three, one, two, three, probably game three. Yeah. Um, and the Yankees are down 2-0 to Houston for Garrett Cole's game three. And then he loses that game, and the Yankees end up losing the series 4-1. Is that all on Garrett Cole, or were they just a better team? Well, how did he pitch in that game? Uh, I I don't see. I don't think it really even matters to be I honest. I think it does. I think it like does. if he gets if he gets embarrassed by Houston, sure, I'll give you that. Like an actual like, but if he goes if he goes five innings, three runs, and like uh, was in trouble every inning or something like that, I don't think he'll get torched for it. Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. Like when I say like one of those performances from Cole, I mean like the performance at Fenway. I mean like like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I I get it, but I think that this was. These this last game was, I think, his biggest game in, in on the Yankees so far. Agree or disagree? Um, it's bigger than the wild card, in my opinion, because it's just the wild. It's the wild card. Like the season was on the line in both games, and yeah. Let me let me put it this way, right? So I was I was combing through some stats, and I think I sent this to you last night. Uh, in the wild card era, so since 1995, Cole has the second best postseason whip, only behind Bumgarner, and the sixth lowest ERA. I mean, like, if he if he were to, like, retire tomorrow, he'd still be, like, well-regarded as one of the best postseason pitchers ever. I just don't think anyone ever thought that he was going to have a problem with Cleveland. I don't think that anyone even thought that he was going to have to pitch at as high leverage a game as he had to. Um, well, I think you could say that thing about the whole the Yankees as a team in general. Yeah, but no, I mean, I... I, I I stand on that. I think that if he goes to Houston and has a clunker, we're, we're right back to like this guy can't pitch in a big spot. But what if what if the series is a clunker? As like on every level, because then you get to say they're the better team and they're just uh and what they look like a juggernaut. No, you could, yeah. But I mean, you kind of you brought Garrett Cole here to win that one game, so it's kind of like just go out there and do your job one time against like an Astro team or. You know, obviously the Red Sox aren't what they were, but a team like Boston and Fenway, something like that. I feel like that's really what we're looking for with Cole. I don't think the Cleveland series has a lot of bearing on that. 
we're going to have to agree to disagree there because I, I think that Garrett Cole, two times, this is two times now, right? You know, he, he's this just this series. Maybe it's just a good matchup. You might be right. Maybe the Guardians are just bad. You're, you could be right. But it's not like Garrett Cole had a bad season and then and then just randomly pitched good. He had a great season, relatively. Great is great is strong. He had, he had a good season. Well, he didn't have like a legendary, you know, Degrom, any kind of of those legendary seasons. But he had a he had a good season for an, an ace. Yeah, but but we also used to talk about him not even being your ace. Like, oh man, wouldn't I trust Nestor more here? I, that doesn't sound like a great season to me. But you don't think, as of right now, that's solidified? No, it is, but it wasn't all year. And now you don't think? Let's say let's fast forward to a year from now, and the Yankees are in the same spot. Winner go home. They're pitching Garrett Cole again, regardless of, of what happens from here on out, Rega- literally regardless, unless yeah. obviously they somehow manage to get to the World Series and Garrett Cole is a liability. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. But anyway, well, well, yeah, you're right. We're going to have to disagree Let's, there because I think everything hinges on the Astros. So they better agree. win tonight. Well, that's my thing. Win tonight, right? Let's not put the cart before the horse. Yeah, you need to win tonight. And uh I want to still want to talk about game four a little bit because it's definitely some points. Uh, they did a little bit of change with the lineup. Oswaldo Cabrera gets a st- gets a start at short, um, and he looked good. I think it was like the second or third ball that was hit to him uh, by the Guardians. A cl- the cleanest ground ball fielded and thrown I've seen from shortstop in a long time. And I was a IKF defender for the long the longest time, not in the sense that he would be great. But in the sense that he is what he is, and people need to tamper their or temper their expectations for him because he's not a he. People the misnomer around him is, yeah, I care if he's got a gold glove at third base. Like he is a third baseman turned shortstop. Yep. So it's like this is not a this is not a gold glove shortstop. It's a gold glove third baseman that is playing shortstop on the Yankees or was playing shortstop on the Yankees. Because look, I'll come out and say it: if the Yankees win tonight. Game one in Houston, IKF is on the bench unless he's at third, but I don't think I don't foresee that happening. So I, I think as on the or unless Oswaldo Cabrera somehow, you know, doesn't play well at short tonight or something like that, or even plays what I what IKF was doing, which is about an average shortstop. But just one note. Um any, what else, anything else you want to say about the shortstop situation? You agree with Cabrera is going to be the shortstop going forward. Yeah, and I also agree with everything you said about IKF. We kind of all year have been saying, I don't understand where the hate comes from. He, he kind of is playing to the back of the baseball card that we got when the Yankees brought him in. So, uh, listen, he wasn't, a, he wasn't a shiny toy like Correa, but, he, you know, he, he's been okay. And um, But I think the Yankees' hope is that Cabrera could be that shiny toy that they deploy in the postseason. Yep. That's the hope, I think. Um, Aaron Hickson left as a result of Oswaldo Cabrera. I thought that was a interesting move on a couple for a couple reasons. When he's in the lineup, I love Aaron Hicks batting ninth because he's a, again, I love the switch hitter before the top of the order. I think that's just a good recipe for a little bit of defensive offense um, that I have actually went into in the last pod. But again, there's that little Bermuda triangle behind third base and in short left field that the Guardian just keep hitting to and it's like i've never seen anything like it in baseball it's like the old adage of you know uh if you're out there and you don't want the ball hit to you the ball will be hit to you sort of thing and if the if that person was a player it would be short left field because the yankees just don't know how to defend it and it's just the strangest thing yeah uh you mentioned aaron hicks i did want to ask you about uh that one play in the outfield 
where this guy finally gets a chance to play in a postseason game. And I'm, what is he doing? What is he doing there? How, how is he not taking well, control of that play? I think, I think, and I think it's just pure coincidence that these, every one of those balls, cause there's been like two or three that have been hit. Maybe like, it, let's say there's been three. I, th- I th- or I think there's been three. I'd say two of them were not being caught by would have to have a great, great play to be caught. Like if Harrison Bader was in left field the entire series, I don't think he catches three of three. I think he catches, you know, two of three because he's like an elite outfielder. Yeah, but... I'm more I'm more just questioning like the effort, though. Like these are ones where even if he doesn't catch it, he's not taking charge. What is uh, on what is supposed to be probably his play to be made if it's going to be. I don't know. He's, well, he's just jogging out there. He's like, why, why are you out here then? I think I think the read was. And this is like a little bit multi-layered, but one, I will say that while Hicks didn't field that ball properly, of course, or I guess no one fielded the ball properly, Hicks threw it into second and they threw it right back to first base and got him. That was an amazing play by Glaber. That is a total game shifter. Yeah. So that was a huge play, ended the inning. Um, And then, but as far, again, I just don't think that ball is as catchable as people are making it sound. Like even if he's, Maybe he wasn't running full speed, but I think, I mean, when it was hit off the ball, my first hit off the bat, my first thought was this might be one of those shortstop ones where the shortstop goes behind third to get it. Yeah. And maybe Oswaldo Cabrera's inexperience it was the result of that because he wasn't, he didn't seem like he had a great read on it. Um, I don't think they were shifted at that time, but look, I just think it's just a pure bad coincidence. Like if it happens tonight, if something like that happens tonight where there's like a ball in short left that is a, that it turns into a bloop base hit then I'll say all right something's going on here someone's not playing in the right position or someone's not positioning the players in the right position if you want to believe that side of it but I just think it's a coincidence just I mean the Yankees throw the Yankees throwing Garrett Cole who is one of the hardest throwers in the league and they're going to be late and they're going to foul it off it's a good pitch like yeah. the, the misnomer is that Garrett Cole is that that's a bad job by Garrett Cole it's not it's like you, you can't just look at the hits and see them all as equal that's a well, of course, that's a baloney hit. So um, what else? Any other notes on this game that Josh Naylor? Yeah, we don't even have to get into it. It was nothing. It was nothing. It, it was silly. Well, I, um, I will I, get into it and I'll I'll, t- I'll segue that into game five. Well, I did have more questions for you, though, about this. OK, game. well, so all right, we'll, let's save so that for game. Let, five. Let's put let's put Naylor on the docket for a minute. Cool. I wanted to ask you about Clay Holmes. Um, you probably have more insight than I do on it. I just heard what I heard. But how does he go from? perhaps available in emergency to definitely available, go out there and get six outs. Well, all that tells me was it was just Boone's call. Like I think Boone, like Boone is a player's manager, right? He's always going to look out for the players as the priority first. So if Clay Holmes even said, even, even if Boone heard a murmur that Holmes's shoulder was sore, like he even like saw him warming up or like, you know, maneuvering his arm in an odd way. Cause you know, when, when pitchers are on the mound and they do one misstep or they shrug their shoulders once the trainer comes out, it's, they're very good at detecting this stuff. So maybe he saw that, but what, what I'm trying to get at is I think that Clay Holmes, cause everything I heard from Clay Holmes was that he he thought he was going to be available. So maybe it was just a total boon call there. Or just gamesmanship overall. It could be. And like, it sucks that maybe you can make the argument that the Yankees might be in this situation because of that, arguably. But, um, yeah, I, I think I would be stunned if Clay Holmes didn't pitch tonight. I'd be stunned. Or well, the yeah. same thing with Wandy. Yeah, and Wandy's been good. 
Wandy Wandy's the closer. Let me put it that way. Wandy's yeah. the closer, or he is the Edwin Diaz to the top of the Guardians order. Because as a lefty, when you got to face guys like Naylor, Stephen Kwan, uh, even Jose Ramirez, you want to flip him around to righty. One thing that I will say uh, that I think I, I think is not to be overlooked: if the Yankees get in that get in a situation where Jose Ramirez is coming up with the with runners on and they want to go to the bullpen. I wouldn't be stunned if you saw like a Lucas Lickey or even a Wandy Peralta to face him and flip him around to the right side, because I'm pretty sure on the broadcast last night, they showed like a, a little blurb because being a switch hitter, I think he has like 25 home runs as a lefty and like six as a, or I think it's like 23 as a lefty and six as a righty. So I think the Yankees would look at that and want to turn him over to the right side um, regardless of the matchups around him. So I think the Yankees are going to see that and want Ramirez batting righty, especially in Yankee Stadium, where you get hit a foul ball pop up and it could end up hitting the pole. Yep. Uh, so, all right. So, I mean, we could we could talk about Josh Naylor. Um, it, it's not something I had an issue with. I kind of just thought it was funny, uh, but you, you seem to want to talk about it. So go ahead. The floor is well, yours. I didn't really, I don't really want to talk about it because it, it, I think it's just ridiculous. Like, I get that's the way he plays and like who he is, whatever. But like, yeah, he's he's owned Garrett Cole. He's got good numbers against Cole. But like, what happened? Like, your team lost both times Garrett Cole started. So like, who's? It's almost it's literally the equivalent, the 2022 equivalent of Pedro Martinez. Who's your daddy? And I listen. If I'm at the stadium tonight. I'm, I I want to hear that. Like, I want to hear the who's your daddy chance. I would love that. I would love that. I mean, tell me that wouldn't be electric. Yeah, I mean, sure. So with that said, I'll segue into game five tonight. Winner go home and both these teams are. Here's the thing. The Guardians have had the, the best bullpen in the postseason thus far. I'd say they I think they've given up one run. And they're fully, their guys are fully rested. Class A, Karen check, fully rested. Um, I wouldn't be, I think uh, Francona said Bieber would be available out of the pen tonight, potentially. Um, but it's just an opener game. Two guys, uh, I think it's Aaron Savali and Jameson Tyone are the projected starters. Although for the Yankees, I will say I'd watch that Tyone thing because I have a sneaky suspicion that that could be Domingo and not Tyone. Okay, I have well, a sneaky suspicion. Well, it's but as of right that, now, yeah, it's good that you said that now because I was going to ask you. Obviously, knowing that it's an opener game, what best case scenario would you get out of out of uh, Tyone, even if he's rolling three innings? Is that is that the length of the leash really for for your opener tonight? I well, the thing I would say is I would say, look, Jameson or Savali, uh, you have one time through the order. That's going to be your evaluation process. We do, when you get to the nine hitter, we're going to come out to the mound and I'm going to say, look you in the eyes, assuming it's zero, zero, you're doing well. Yeah. And I'm going to say, how do you feel? Like, we like how you're dealing. Uh, if, you, if you get through one and it's zero, zero, if you can get through one time through the order and it's zero, zero with Tyone, that is beautiful. I think, I think that's, that's a great recipe for the Yankees because what, what have we seen the first time? Through the order, a lot of our starting, uh, besides Severino, but Cole twice and Nestor, first time through the order, looked good. It's that second, third time through the order that has been troublesome for Yankees pitching. And get, I'm not Garrett Cole, but 
Sevy struggled first time around. Nestor struggled the second time around. Even Cole got into a little bit of pitch count trouble. He was cruising. And then once that late second, early third time around started, that's when he started to get that pitch count up a little bit. So to answer your question, I think on both sides, they're going to say, they're going to look at this game and say, look like three innings or one time through the order, whatever comes first. Yeah. So, which I mean, naturally just given the way baseball is, First time through the order, minimum nine outs. So if you can get nine straight, if you Yankees get nine straight tonight from Tyone, that's a win. He's, he's done his job to a T. 100%. So, so if you're the Yankees after Tyone, what are you, what are you looking at? What is your, like, you're the manager tonight. Give me your, assuming things are going well, assuming this is kind of a low scoring affair, which it might be. Um, how do you then work out your bullpen? Well, I think that everyone, obviously everyone's available. So if you wanted to look at it, like I, again, I think, I think Wandy's your closer. I think he's, he's got the, the ninth inning when you're up by one right now, you, you just have to trust him the most. And if, if they put Clay Holmes in to that situation, the only, the, I guess the only way I see Clay Holmes coming in, if they have righty, 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 like seven, eight, nine, and then you as, but as soon as Clay Holmes is up, Wandy's up. Like as soon as he comes into the game, because yeah. if he lets if any of those guys get on, then you got you might have some trouble, especially just given the nature of how the Guardians are. So I think after Tyone, obviously matchup dependent, but I wouldn't be stunned to see like Nestor come in for an inning or two. People forget Nestor was a relief pitcher. For a long time, yeah. so that's not new to him, so I have confidence in that. If you see that you have a big lead and you might need, like, let's say the Yankees are up three, nothing after three innings, maybe they go Domingo and just try and get length out of Domingo. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of school to assume that you would hope that Nestor would be your game one starter. Right. If you that's make it the to hope. Houston. That, that's, I think that's the hope. Cause if we look at the days, right. So game one would be tomorrow, right. Tomorrow would be game one in, or is it the next day? Is it Wednesday? I think it's, I think it's Wednesday. Let me just double check that because I'm just thinking of like days you need to rest your starters. Um, It would be hmm. Wednesday, Wednesday. Okay. So when did Severino pitch Severino pitched yesterday? He pitched Saturday. So Saturday day, Sunday day, one, two, three, four. It's like a, it's like a three and a half day rest. Do you throw Severino in game one? Nestor two, Cole three. Can't you just throw Severino tonight? No, it's too short. I think it's too short. Well, when did Nestor pitch? Friday? Nestor pitched on Friday. Severino pitched Saturday. Cole pitched yesterday. Got so it. for today for Nestor would be would be two days. That's tough. So why would it be too short to pitch Severino today when you wanted Scherzer to pitch just two days later in the Mets series? I mean, because Scherzer's done that before. I, I'm not that's his point blank like I've seen it if I've seen Severino start on short rest and look obviously he I is think a that dinosaur it, though Max Scherzer is a dinosaur that would be the difference I know but this is what you pay those guys for no I mean yeah. let me put it this way if if Garrett Cole was in Luis Severino or Nestor's spot tonight and it was on two three day rest I would expect Garrett Cole to start yeah is that or, fair or, or at least to come in after Tyone or something it's just a higher class of pitcher. Like if Cole, Cole and Scherzer are A-plus studs 
then Severino is like a B plus A minus to me. And I don't really slot those guys into those two, three day spots. But yeah. as for tonight, um, look, I think I was just listening to a podcast that said we want the crowd in it, but that doesn't mean just get crazy. Like if you watched all these NL games, you what did you watch the Padres game the other night where they're there? Every word that was played through the broadcast was being sung by everyone in the stands. Like, we need some energy in the Bronx tonight to win this game. I don't want I don't want just people being stupid and yelling at one another or, you know, saying, oh, Miles Straw, you suck, blah, blah, blah. Like, I want them to be rooting. I want them to be up. I, I don't want anyone to sit tonight, to be honest. Like, I'm looking at these games on these other games, whether it's the Dodgers, the Padres, Phillies, Braves. It doesn't look like anyone ever sits. I feel like a Yankee game sometimes, and, and just knowing it, people are just sitting a lot, like in the second, third inning. Stand up. Don't be like you're used to this. You might well, be. I, but I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a concern with a. I mean, Yankee I'm, fans get it's up an aside. for a game like this. Uh, it's like, an aside. Listen, are there stupid fans there every game? Yes, of course. But no, fans will be up for this one. Uh, we talked about this with the Mets. Uh, you know, during their series, when we talked about just top loading the order. If I'm the Yankees, I think that like the formula to win tonight would be that you jump Savali early. Would you, good, would, good you point. would you agree that if you're the Yankees, you kind of would just want to top load tonight and just try and, you know, if you, if you can get strong to early, you're in a pretty good spot moving forward. Very, very strong agree. So I, uh, but I think the Yankees, the way they have their lineup now, they think they're doing that. Which, yeah. Like, I think this is their best, not best possible. Cause I would love to see I, – I would be – if the Yankees go on to lose tonight and let's say Carpenter doesn't get a pinch hit at, at bat, like having Carpenter and making this big fuss about him coming back and giving him one pinch hit at bat where he struck out would be like a little criminal to me, I feel like. Like I, I want to see Carpenter – not for nothing. If Carpenter can play the field, like I wouldn't even hate having Carpenter at third tonight. Like Donaldson's been good in the field, but he he's been lost at the he if you throw him a if you threw Donaldson a curveball right now, I guarantee he'd swing and miss. Yeah. It just even no matter where it is, he just can't hit it. And you know me, I've been critical of him all year. But I just think that I would and also another thing about we I'll go back to the Hicks thing, that play in left field. Like you like you saw the effort that Hicks gave there, right? You don't think Stan could have done that same thing there. Of like, course he could have. He might, he might have like, even done more. Yeah, so get Hicks out of left field, put Carpenter in the lineup at DH. It's not yeah. that hard. In left field at Yankee Stadium, come on. It's, it's like a – that's got to be the easiest left field to play. There's literally nothing that goes on there. Yeah, yeah. No, Other right. than that little – there's like a little cutout lip right after third base that maybe one ball is hit all year. I mean, please. And also Stan, like, is it's almost like uh, – this is the way I feel about it or at least the feeling I get from the clubhouse, like they is almost like Stan wants to play, but they don't want him to play at the outfield. Like, it's like the weirdest thing. Yeah. And it, and it is, it's, it makes it more weird. Cause we know that Stanton wants to. And he did this year. Yeah, he was like, it's weird. I wonder if they go back to that tonight. Cause that would, I mean, how amazing would it be to see Stanton? If you're, if you're just like a, like an overall, like looking at, take a big bird's eye view of the season. And I guess the Yankees last like 10 years. How like important is it to see Stan and judge in the outfield at the same time? Yeah. Like, you don't, you didn't sign Stan. I don't think you signed Stan to be a DH. Well, no, of course not, but, or you traded for, sorry, but like, 
I think they just got to let him out there. Like, and I would be re- really curious to see what they do when, I mean, obviously when Benintendi comes back, that's going to cause other options or other problems when, if the Yankees move on, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic tonight. I'm like very, I think Tyone has thrown together some good starts, although he didn't look good out of the bullpen. Maybe him starting gets his mind back into the right frame, I guess. But um, as for the, I think the guardians have the bullpen matchup, but then the Yankees also obviously have the crowd home factor. Yeah. And just a better better lineup. Speaking of that, I wanted to ask you when, when you were at those games earlier in the series and you hear Aaron judge getting booed, what were you like, shocked by that or was it kind of like eh, this happens or like like what did you feel like when that because like I you know every fan base is a little rowdy it's but, disgusting and honestly it's, it's like, weird it's just I can't I can't wrap my head around it well it's there's a couple of ways that could I could look at this one way is that the most basic and I think the probably the truest is people booing aren't like they might just be there for like the experience like like for them, like they're not as to really appreciate a player. You need to kind of watch him and understand what he's doing over the course of a season. Because if I go, if I brought, you know, my fourth cousin from Croatia to a Yankee game and he sees Aaron judge strike out four times, he's going to boo. Like it's, it's natural for that one performance. He's going to boo. I don't think people really, a lot of people that boo probably aren't in the same like perspective headspace that everyone else is like, they probably don't understand. I don't think true Yankee fans that are that, that like know what judges know that he's going to be the cornerstone of the franchise really are the ones booing. I think the people that are booing are the ones that probably started, probably dusted off their Yankee jerseys two weeks ago. Yeah. And the Yankees probably have the most fans like that. And the, and the Yankees have the most fans like that. So Uh, that that's, I guess, my take on that. I'll say for my experience, I was sitting in second deck right field for the day game on Friday. And there was when judge struck out, I think it was the third time these kids in front of me. And I'll say kids probably like 18 to 20 were booing. And this man sitting by himself just turns around. You know, one of those guys that had like the headphones in at the game. You ever see that? People just yep. go there by themselves and put their headphones in. Yeah, a lot of times it. they keep score. A lot of the, the headphone wearers. Yeah, there's no stub, guys. But uh, that the one guy literally stood up right after he struck out, turned around and said some not choice words for those kids. And they went back and forth for like almost the entirety of like the next half inning. So I think that that just kind of says it all where there's like it's almost like you can't. You can't judge the mass by the minuscule. You ever hear that? So like, no, but it's a good, it's a good one. Oh yeah, th- thanks. Put that one in your pocket. But uh, yeah, I think that's how you. That's kind of how you have to see it. So, um, how do you feel about the, the game? Like, I know you're kind of a third party here. Obviously, you're yeah, from was, the tri-state area. But I was going to ask know. you. I was going to ask you. You feel good about tonight, right? I mean, I do. I think that I really think that there's this. The Yankees are either going to lose this game in a heartbreak or they're going to win this game by a blowout, because I think that, like you said, it's very smart of them to even just not even the lineup wise, but just mentality wise. Like, yeah, like they're going to say, all right, you guys have such a good bullpen, right? Let's get to it early. Let's see it. Bring bring Karen check in in the fourth inning. Yeah, and I I just got done going through Savali's numbers uh, over the season. He's not a very good pitcher. No. And, and Tyone, like, look, not for nothing. And I don't want to be the guy to jinx it, but like Tyone has had a good season. 
Like this isn't an undersung good season for Tyone. I'm pretty sure he's got like a 13 and four record too, or something like that. Where, so if if you're still someone that really cares about pitching, starting pitching record, I guess that's of note because there's a belief, and I don't I don't know if you've heard this, but there's I or I guess you have because of the Degrom one hit fiasco that always happens with the Mets or the one run fiasco. Yep. But I feel like there's just a tenor change when certain pitchers are on the mound. Would yeah, you agree? But it didn't so work maybe out. Tyone has that. Didn't work out for Cleveland with Quantrill at home. But yeah, well, listen, I said it probably four times on this podcast. Uh, find another New York podcast that has mentioned Cal Quantrill four times uh, in in the matter of 16, 17 episodes. I'll I'll bet anyone on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Cal Quantrill gets his first. I think it was his first loss at home in like his last sixteen starts. Yeah. Yep. And and that not just not no decisions like he was 15 and 0 at home. <laughs> it was pretty remarkable. So I think that's a feat in itself. Harrison Bader owns Cal Quantrill. Now uh, talk about someone that should have been rocking the baby around the bases. Yep. Harrison Bader. I mean, come on, but um, I think I feel good too, by the way, I, I think I like the yeah, Yankees today. I was just, just going to ask you how you felt about the game. I think if you're a Yankee fan, you have to feel good. Like yep. you got what you want. You've you're set up here where, this is what you get first place for to have the series go through New York. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other than obviously the Astros, but to right. this point, this is why you've played so well to do yeah. for this game specifically. So, and I think the Yankees will have that in mind. And I think that I think the Yankees come out with a win tonight and we're moving on to Houston on Wednesday. I can't decide whether I would rather the Yankees get embarrassed by losing this round or whether I would rather just watch Houston just continue their Yankee dominance. I can't tell which one would be more satisfying to me in my hateful soul. I can't. Well, I obviously can't answer that for you, but I feel like Yankee Yankee fans would say if they, I think in my opinion, it's worse to not get to Houston than to lose to Houston. But I feel like a lot of fans would be on the other side of the, the fence where they'd say it would be worse to get there and get, and get smoked by Houston. Yeah, but you know what? And and again, we don't want to get too far ahead. So we'll stop the Yankees here in a minute. And uh, after this game, hopefully we have a big Astros series to talk about. Um, the Astros are going to be, if the Yankees can go the distance, that's going to be your your toughest test because the Dodgers are gone and the Braves are gone. And listen, the, the, the Padres are no slouches, right? So that could be tough, but I mean, it's almost, it feels like the Yankee World Series is going to be the CS. Or not, not, not just the, I don't think even the Yankees world series, I think the world series Yankees Astros will be the world series. Most likely. Like, I think that, I don't know, but like the Padres Padres have that story a little bit. There's some going on there. Like I'm a little, I think the Padres win that series. I'll just come out and say it. Oh, of course. I I would. Yeah. I mean, but the Phillies too, I think the NL is like the new, the new kids on the block. The, you know, what is it? The five and the six seed facing off for the NLCS versus yeah, it's potentially ridiculous. the one, two on the, in the AL, which is like, what have we said all year about the, about baseball? It's kind of funny. And I never thought about it till now. What do we say all year about the NL? Oh my God, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves, the Phillies, the Padres. What is, what does the AL have? The, the 500 twins who are fighting for a wild card spot. Yep. And now look what's happening. The five, six in the NL have come out on top and potentially you could have the one, two in the AL. Yeah. How fun, how that's kind of that's kind of just a crazy way to wrap up the season, wouldn't it be? Yeah, it's like it's like the NL is like the AFC of the MLB. Yeah. It's just 
But, but one thing we can say, and this will wrap up our postseason talk, postseason is unexpected. You'll you're, you get things you don't expect, and we've seen that already. 20 inning games, uh, gooses in the outfield. It's just been – the postseason has been wonderful so far. And I think if you're MLB, the product that you've put out has been phenomenal. Yeah, to this I point. agree. I agree. So, all right, let's finish up baseball. City kid, and once again, New York City kid, and once again, New York City kid, Eli Manning getting the ring kid, and once again, New York City kid, and once again, New York City kid, and once again, New York City kid, Eli Manning getting the ring kid. We gonna win the Miss Lamar D Trophy. Put your bags back in the car. So we'll go over to football now because, again. What a day it was on Sunday, again, for New York. Jets and Giants both come out victorious. Let's start with the team with the better record, one of the best records in the NFL, uh, only behind their NFC East counterpart now, the 6-0 and Philadelphia Eagles. Giants take down the Ravens, defend MetLife 24-20. This game was a statement by the Giants. Yeah, and I, I have a bone to pick with the NFL, by the way. I mean, at what point do these teams both stop playing at 1 o'clock every Thank week? You. You're going to tell me Jets-Packers couldn't, couldn't have been a 425 game? So we got to watch both these yeah. teams at 1 o'clock, week in, week out, 5-1 and one and 4-2? and two. Well, I think, and, and you're, you're so right, and I'm going to ditto that because I, I actually got home yesterday. I was out in the morning, got home. And my dad was watching the game out back in the backyard. And I was like, I, I like brought my like phone down. I was going to go watch outside. And I was like, dad, I was like, I just thought of this. Like, if you want to watch the Giants, like we only got one TV out here. Like I want to watch the Jets and red zone. So I got to, I got to go elsewhere. I can, I can't be watching the Giants fully right now, but um, yeah, I, I hate that the NFL does that. It's just yeah. miserable. So yeah, um- so, but yeah, th- this was the Giants' biggest win so far. This was one of those like no excuse wins. They're, they're like, there's there's nothing to complain about on the opponent side, really. I mean, they just they found a way to win again. I don't know how they do it because really, like, the receivers are practice squad players. Saquon Barkley is special. We still don't really know what Daniel Jones is, but he's starting to solidify himself as as the starter next year, I would think. Because I mean, ha- how many times do they have to go out there and do it? Um, but no, I mean, that that's not, I, I forget what your outlook on the game was. I didn't expect they were going to win that game. Well, I didn't expect they were going to win the game either, but one thing I didn't note, and I thought that, uh, going to hang on the rim. I thought it totally played out in front of our eyes. Wink Martindale, the, was the former defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Now the defensive coordinator for the giants. And I thought they schemed a absolutely amazing play play. Just the play calling defensively was phenomenal. There was a play, I believe it was like third and one or fourth and one in like the third quarter where the Ravens lined up to go for it. And in and they were, I guess, Wink Martindale clearly knew what they were trying to do with that little read option by Lamar Jackson that they always run. It's like an automatic one yard. I mean, you can't defend a running back and a, and Lamar Jackson. But if you if you watch the play closely, the three interior linemen, right? So the I guess the D tackles, maybe a D end or a linebacker mixed in, lined up like this on the line. Not like opposed to the flat on the line. They lined up like this, where the the defensive tackle was on the nose. So it was, he was head up on the center. And then the defensive end had his hand 
on his back right behind the defensive tackle. And then another linebacker had his hand on the back of that. So it was like three guys stacked above the center. And clearly maybe it was like a midline read option or something like that, but clearly it messed Lamar Jackson up big time. And I've never seen it before. I think even on the broadcast, they noted that the formation was like totally wacky on defense, but it worked. And I don't think it was just a coincidence that it worked. I think it was something that Wink Martindale knew and totally took advantage of. So I'm going to say it, called it, said it, said you got something to watch for. It was, it was everything to watch for, in my opinion. Yeah. You like that little alley-oop I threw you for the ring hang? It's all, it's all coming together here. Yeah, that was, that was nice, but (laughs) total, I'm still on the rim right now because look, Daniel Jones, you're right. He might be solidifying himself as not, maybe not the starting quarterback for the giants, but a starting quarterback next year. And with a lot of teams, there's a lot of teams that could need starting quarterbacks next year. You look at, if you want to look around the league real quick, Panthers, does Tom Brady retire? Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, does Aaron Rodgers retire? Packers. There's just so many different like moving parts here that could Matt Ryan Colts. There, there might be a lot of jobs for Daniel Jones next year. So I think it's in the best interest of both of them. And clearly it's working to play their best. And I think yeah. he is. And I don't know what avenue they would go for another quarterback. It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to draft them with the way they're playing right now. And let me just read these off to you. So the Giants are five and one right now, which I mean, it, they, I didn't I, I would have probably bet my life that through six. They, there's no way they'd be five and one. Right. Oh, I was all over the under all over their win total under. I was all over it. Yeah. And they're going to be favorited in their next four games. You would have to think so. Next week, they go to Jacksonville. That's a win. Then they're going to go to Seattle, who is Another, playing uh, well. T- well, hold on. I'll say that that's a tough one just because I think that that's a, I feel like that's the first time that Dable is going to go. Actually, no, because he just went to Lambeau and beat the Packers. I'm going to say go into like a enemy territory with like a significant crowd yeah. factor. But like they just did it in Lambeau. Like they're proving things. Yeah, but, th- but that's a game they could win. Yes. They could win, but I wouldn't be stunned if they lost. Also on at 425, if the Jets are on at 425 on the 30th, there's going to be issues <laughs> among me and the NFL. Uh, then they're going to get a bye, I believe, and then they're home against Houston and then win. home against Detroit, who obviously also not a bad football team, but a, a, a game that the Giants could definitely Very winnable win. at home. So, I mean, the division is going to come down to – well, you can go – let's go through the rest of the schedule. At the Cowboys – uh, Cowboys are below the Giants right now. Look, could they could they go into Dallas and beat the Cowboys? What do you think? Um, I'm going to say no. I don't know what the I Cowboys say no are look like then, but I, I'm going to say no. But we don't I mean, have to, we don't they, even have to get that far ahead. I guess my question to you would be like, would you be shocked if this team wins ten games? And you'd have to say no. And I mean, in the NFC, point, no. in the NFC, is ten games enough to get into the playoffs? Y- yeah. Probably. I, I think so. Cause you got to think for, for the NFC, right? Like the, the Eagles are most likely going to have 10 wins. Uh, I mean like, and then other than that, who's a shoe in for 10 wins? Vikings are five and one. They'll probably get the 10 wins. Most likely Dallas is probably going to get to 10 wins. They're four and two. I mean, like does Brady figure it out? I don't know. Does Rogers figure it out? It doesn't look like it. Does Matt Stafford figure it out? Do the 49ers figure it out? Like these are teams that are not just worse than the Giants, but they're worse than the Giants and also have a lot of shit to figure out. Yeah. So 
Uh, would it would it be stunned? No, no, not at all. Ten, and I think you might the Giants might even be able to get into the playoffs with if you if you just assume that. Let's say so. Let's take the the teams and let's say need to figure it out, right? So in the NFC, Bucks, 49ers, Rams, Packers. If two of those teams figure it out and two of them don't, even three. If three of those teams figure it out and one of them don't, I still think the Giants make the playoffs. Yeah, I think I do too. And which and is probably crazy. 10 wins. Yeah. So uh, the answer to your question, I guess, would be would be yes. Um, trying to think of any other notes. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be an absolute stud. The play to end that game yesterday was Aaron Donald-esque, if I've ever seen it. I know they're different positions, but absolute dominance. He had the offensive lineman on one arm and stripped the ball with the other arm, and it was like a glimpse into the future of what he could be, and that was scary. Even on the field, like, you ever, it's crazy that like all these guys in football are so big. And then you see like a running back who's like 5'10, and it's like, it's like, oh, that guy's so small. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau looks huge. Yeah. He looks like a massive human being on the field. Um, that's all I really wanted to say about that game. Uh, I mean, other than the Giants, the Giants still are just kind of like plug and play with their with their receivers and tight ends and stuff. It's kind of just been a new guy every week. But I know, but that's why I'm so confused by it. Like, I, I don't know how. Listen, coaching aside, we know that they're well coached, but is that worth five wins and winning games like this? Well, no, but if you think, I guess when I when I look at this game or when I look at the Giants, they remind me a lot of like the Jimmy Garoppolo 49ers that got to the Super Bowl with a lot less talent, though. But I don't even see. I don't even know. I don't think so, because I think guys like Wondell Robinson, Bellinger, uh, who's been pretty good so far. I think he was like a fourth round pick who's led them in receiving yesterday, five receptions, 38 yards. Like, let's say you have in for the season going forward, let's say you had Barkley Bellinger, Wandale Robinson, uh, and you trade for someone, right? You just trade for DJ Moore. That's all you need. Like you're, I think you're good there on, on offense. They're, they're running offense. They're going to give it to Barkley 25 times a game. And then if yeah. they're not handing the ball off to Barkley, they're going to run these long extended swing handoff things that they run now or RPO with Daniel Jones. One thing I definitely would like to see more. I thought they, I thought the the giants would after the Packers game where they ran that a lot or the, um not the Packers game. Was it the, the bears game? When did I say that they were going to get out, outside of the pocket a lot? And Daniel Jones scored two touchdowns. What week was that? It might have been the Bear game because it definitely wasn't obviously the the Packer game because it was the complete opposite. Yeah, no, okay, it was the it was the the Bears game. I thought they would do that yesterday too, where it moved Daniel Jones around, and not that they didn't, but like I thought the the play calling in the previous two weeks was much more creative on offense. I'm not gonna have a gripe though because the Giants are five and one. Like I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, they should have did this, should have did that, because right now they're pushing all the buttons. So, yeah. um. Do you want to go over to the Jets now? I know we've both been eager to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, we, we, um, we should. The Jets are fun. Is there any other way to put it? No. I, I, the, the Jets are fun. I enjoy I'm, watching the New York Jets play football. Yeah, I haven't enjoyed watching them play this much, I, I guess, since those, those back-to-back uh, AFC Championship game, that run. Because, I mean, 2015 was great, but, I mean, we, we were talking about guys that were really, like, at the end of the road. And this is just a young, fun team. And would I like to see Zach Wilson be the reason for it a little bit more? Yes. Listen, I think he threw for 110 yards. But the other side of the coin is 
it's it shows a lot of maturity to play within the system within yourself you know be able to rely on the defense a little bit and rely on a guy like Brees Hall um you know that that's something that Sam Darnold didn't do and you know obviously he had less pieces but I think it shows great maturity to not just go out there try to throw it all over the lot and try to be a hero and so I thought he managed the game beautifully. He didn't have to do any more than he did. I mean, the de- the Jets dominated Green Bay defensively, dominated them. Yeah, and so- I think that I think a lot of the things that you can say about the Jets, and I I haven't heard anyone really make this comparison, but like I think the Jets and the Giants are playing like the same football, the same thing. They're not asking Zach Wilson to do too much. Giants aren't asking Daniel Jones to do too much. They're giving the ball to their stud running back 25 times a game, and their leading receiver has two catches for 50 yards. Yep. And they're winning. They just beat the they just beat the Packers. Their quarterback threw for 110 yards, and their leading receiver had two catches. Is that crazy? It is. It's crazy. And like the big I think the biggest stat that, that sticks out to me about both these guys meaning Wilson and Daniel Jones, since I'm still on that comparison, zero turnovers. That's it. You can win football games. You can beat anyone if you don't turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. Anyone. This is the nature of the game. If you don't turn the ball over, sustain good drives, and you you have win the time of possession, you'll win football games. It doesn't matter who's on the team, really. Yeah. Do you remember going into the season, the, the take about how the Jets could be last year's Bengals? And we all kind of laughed about it and said, all right, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It doesn't sound as silly now. They're four and two. You, obviously, they haven't. And I guess we both knew this, but it's not something I thought about until today. They haven't been favorited one time. And they're yeah. four and two. And I mean, they, they have a lot of young, explosive talent, much like Cincinnati did last year. Listen, I'm not saying they're going to go to a Super Bowl. But well, I can the, tell you now that before the Monday night football game tonight, the Gi- the Jets are mine are plus three in Denver. I was so going to ask push. you if maybe they were going to if they were going to be favored for the first time against Denver. It's a push year, pretty but, much. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what Russell Wilson looks like tonight. But yeah. um, again, I mean, really defensively, that was just I mean, a masterclass. And what's and what's telling not again, not to get ahead, but. And again, the the Broncos could go for 40 tonight and I could have this whole take mean nothing. But as of right now, what have the Broncos shown you that they can beat the Jets? Nothing, (laughs) nothing, nothing. And what have the Jets shown you they beat the Broncos? Everything. Yeah. And and it's just to hear them all after the game talk about how they expected to win. That's yeah, man. It's like it's the confidence is there and it's it's not something we've seen before. And by the way. This isn't a joke. Sauce Gardner shirt on the way in route to the house right now. I'm a fan. Yesterday, the cheesehead thing was absolutely wonderful. Like the Giants had Odell for the longest time. Right. And he had all these shenanigans and stuff. And like a lot of it was like a bit too much, a little bit distasteful. And a lot of it wasn't embodied in winning. Sauce Gardner yeah. doesn't pull a stunt like that if the Jets aren't winning yeah, games. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly my point. And not, I'm not going to say that, yeah, you know, he's as good of an NFL player or will ever be as good of an NFL player as Odell because he, he might be better or he might be worse. I'm not going to sit here and say that and diminish Odell's talent because obviously he's one of the most talented football players we've ever seen, in my yeah. opinion. So I'm not going to put him there yet. But what I will say is he's the leader for – I think he's the has the best odds to win rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. He probably will. He should win rookie of the year, barring injury, God forbid. And uh, the, what he says is 
it, uh, he had a post game press conference right before that cheesehead incident, uh, which I love, by the way, uh, where he they asked him, hey, like, what's the biggest like what's almost like your favorite thing about this team? And he said, we don't really see in, in other words, he said, we don't really see this as work. Right. We're here. We're hanging out. We, when we're not here, we're hanging out. We're playing video games. We're BSing around. We're doing things and we're we're making it more than football. And I think that, and he ended that by saying, so when we are out here where we have to earn our check and get paid on our work day, it doesn't feel like work. We're playing for one another. We're having fun out there. We're doing dances together. I'm stealing things from the, the crowd and putting them on my head post game. Like they're a fun team. Yeah. They're really like, I'm, I'm, I haven't been felt this way in a long time. And obviously the Yankees and all everything going on has hindered my feeling on this, but I'm like looking forward to watching the Jets play next week. I can't I wait. Yeah. So and listen, this is all, this is all positive here. This is all, we're feeling great. Um, but you know, this is sports talk. So I, I'm going to get a little nitpicky about a couple things that I, I want to see improvement on down the road. If, if the jets are really going to turn a corner here, Go they, got, they got to get better on third down. They got to get yeah. better on third down. I think they were one for 11 yesterday. I mean, they, they got to, they need like a, they need to solidify a third down guy. Like, you know, like the Packers have a Randall Cobb. They, they, they have to draw up some things to, to keep drives going. Because, I mean, they, they put I up thought, 27 I, points going one for 11 on third down. You imagine if they convert a few more of those? And I'll piggyback off that because I think, or at least my read on the team was that their third down guy was Elijah Moore. For a, lo- a majority of last season, I'd say. And he had one target yesterday. Yeah. Like, I, I get wanting to, you know, get guys involved. I mean, Corey Davis, CJ Zoma, Tyler Conklin, yawn to me. Like, cool, they're going to – you can get them. I, I would be stunned if their uh, yards after the catch was all combined zero because <laughs> those guys are just like, well, we can run you a good route, we'll get open, not much after that. But, like, guys, like, you see Berrios, who's absolutely electric. You see uh, Michael Carter. Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. I want to see the ball in their hands, yep. not necessarily. And hey, maybe look again, we're not going to sit here and say that, yeah, the Jets are bad because they don't do this. That's not what we're saying. We're saying no. they're it's amazing that they're good and not doing this. Yeah. What, what we're saying. So yep. uh, I, that's, that's back to back games. That's back to back games where they put a real full 60 minutes together. I mean, even special teams yesterday. Special teams dominated yesterday they had a they had a a play a sequence where it was like third it was third and long at like the packers like 30 sack and then the ensuing punt block and it was just like i think that was i think that was uh both metaphorically and literally the game right there but that's something that's those are plays that like you know zach wilson doesn't need to score every touchdown he doesn't need to force every touch not force but like they don't need defensive touchdowns almost go as case should count for 14 points. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. you're stopping the other team from getting points. Yeah. And you're getting the ball back. So, so there you go. So if you, if, if you, I would be stunned and I'll, I'll try and find this, but the, the record for teams in games in which they score a defensive touchdown, cause I guarantee it's like 75% win. Yeah. It has to be. It ha- I mean, it has to be. So, if you can, if you can rely on your defense, and we've seen it time and time again, and I'll draw the comparison to the 49ers. 49ers a few years ago had Jimmy Garoppolo, a bunch of weapons, an emerging D- Debo Samuel, and they made it to the Super Bowl. And 
they Jimmy Garoppolo, we all know who he is. He's a the most glorified game manager in the world. I think a lot of people would agree with that. And if look, they got to the Super Bowl. So is maybe that's what happens to the Jets and the Giants. Maybe. Is that shooting <laughs> too high? Probably. But yeah. but could it happen? Have we seen it happen? Yes and yes. Yeah. And 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 you know, we're trying to have fun with this team. Why not? Why, yeah. why not set your set your hopes there? Because I mean and then for the same for the on the same token, if the Jets go out next week, and I don't the thing is, I was gonna say if the Jets go out next week and get embarrassed, maybe the, the tenor changed on the season. But like to me, both of these teams have proven enough where I would almost write that off as like a one off at this point. I agree, but when when you know that you gotta face Buffalo twice, it's you, you kind of wanna Yeah, it makes the games obviously more important. Um, so like we said, Jets are at Denver next week. Going to Denver always difficult because of like the altitude and you know they're at the end of the day the the Broncos do have a good defense which is the reason why they're even have their head above water right yep. now they should be zero and five really if their defense wasn't a good defense but Jets go to the Broncos then they host the Patriots but right before they host the Bills so look if you can go if the Jets can go into the Bills game at six and two against probably the Bills being 7-1, that game better not be on the same time as the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's how I'll tie it up. Did you want to add anything else to any of these games or anything? No, I think I think we, uh, I think we hit everything. I think so, too. So that'll be all. Rooting for the Yankees tonight on my end. Um, definitely going to be locked in. Uh, I'm, again, hopeful that they win. Let's let's hope they win, right? And we'll yep. be back here eventually. Hopefully our next episode is positive baseball talk, not negative baseball talk. So yep. as always, thanks for listening. Uh, reach out to us on all our socials. Uh, interact with us. We're posting stories with questions, polls all the time. So make sure to interact with all that. And uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one. See ya.